0: Bye. You already know what time it is. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to the NFL with AJL, episode two. Feeling great being back on the show, ladies and gentlemen. I am Adam J. Lewis, of course. Wanted to initially thank everyone so much for welcoming me welcoming me back with warm, open arms the social media content has been great you already know check the qr code for every bit of our content we're on podcast platforms now ladies and gentlemen apple Podcasts, google podcast spotify wherever you get it at and if i'm not on there let me know i'll make sure the team gets it on there for us we got a loaded 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 show today again thank you to everyone that is live with me go ahead and hop in the chat I can throw your comments here up on the screen we got the nfl awards brian flores was hired late last night so you know i got to go ahead and get into the news about that that is a major major pickup for the vikings i feel like what's up with aaron Rodgers? what's up with Derek carr we're gonna figure a ton of that out today on the show as always make sure to like subscribe and comment hit the bell so you never miss a moment when we go live on youtube when we're dropping those shorts QR code is going to give you everything. And I said I was going to hold this till the end of the show, but you know what? We are now open for callers. 678-480-8716. Go ahead and keep a call into the show. I know you're going to have something to say about everything we're talking about today, especially these NFL awards. Let's go ahead and get into it, ladies and gentlemen. First up on the slate here, the MVP And I'm sure everybody sitting up here right now is expecting me to go ahead and go with the guy that I was talking about a ton on the last show, Jalen Hurts. I might. I might not. Let's get into these guys, though, and break it down again. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch and Twitter. Get in the chat. Let me know how you're feeling. And uh, let's get into episode two. Super pumped to be here. All right. So we got Jalen Hurts. We got Joe Burrow. We got Josh Allen justin jefferson and patrick mahomes let's start from the top with josh allen in my opinion this year i do feel like he's regressed somewhat the team was very very dependent on him and we saw that and i think that's why at times that led josh allen to multiple games with multiple turnovers and i had this concern early on in the year not even to really get into the trajectory of how the bill season played out but you know i don't think I can sit here and say that he was the best quarterback in the NFL really maybe at any point this season and I'll go ahead and tell you up front he is not my MVP this year Now, let's get into Joe Burrow, who I do feel a little bit better about. He was the better case than Josh Allen, in my opinion. And you look at the fact that the eye test looked better. Burrow only did have, when it came to the numbers, a better passer rating and better completion percentage. But when you look at how Joe affected the game this year, compared to Josh Allen, I think Joe took care of the football at a much better rate and pace than Josh Allen did. But Joe Burrow is not going to be my MVP here. I do respect justin jefferson making it into this cut though because clearly the way he was able to take over the game from minnesota this year um i want to say he smashed the postseason receiving record already for randy moss in his first you know few postseason games or whatever um and then the first three years of receiving yards as well he beat randy moss's record for that so the guy is consistently out there routing dudes up making but uh, excuse me making big plays and just making his impact felt on the field time and time again. Now we're going to go down to my number two pick, possibly for the MVP. I'm going to make you wait until the very, very end for you to know. Well, not till the end of the second, but until the end of the guys here for you to know who my MVP is. Of course we have Patrick Mahomes. He is an absolutely great quarterback best in the league. I think he has been all year. Um, The high ankle sprain wasn't super concerned about that. And we talked about it on the last show that Patrick Mahomes clearly the high ankle sprain was not a major thing for him. And then, of course, we have my boy Jalen Hurts. We uh excuse me, we know how I clearly feel about him. But what I'm about to say is not a knock on Jalen. He doesn't take over the game like Patrick Mahomes does, and he does not really command the field like Patrick Mahomes does. He make he doesn't make the big plays like Patrick Mahomes does. I do have. Patrick Mahomes II, winning the MVP this year, taking home his second MVP. We'll see how he plays in the Super Bowl. He's in the running for offensive player of the year as well. What a career for Patrick Mahomes. I don't know how we don't give it to him. Another 5,000-yard season. Um, Absolutely insane. I mean, the way he played all year, Kansas City clearly, with Big Red, the absence of Tyreek Hill, having no issue with that, spreading the ball around, around the way he did in the AFC title game. Got to give the MVP here to Patrick Mahomes. Checking in the chat, don't see anybody yet, but it is all good. We are going to continue to roll along here. So, there you have it Patrick Mahomes is going to be my MVP for this season. Now, let's get into Offensive Player of the Year, which I wanted to say at the beginning of the war, uh, beginning of the awards as well, excuse me, that outside of the Defensive Player of the Year and the Defensive Rookie of the Year, these were some really tough picks, in my opinion, because even with the MVP, you can definitely argue Hurts. You can definitely argue Joe Burrow. I'm not going to entertain the Josh Allen and really even the Justin Jefferson. I almost called him Justin Jettis, but hey, that's his nickname, right? Um, all right. Let's get into Offensive Player of the Year. Again, this one is tough. Tyree Hill, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes. Let's start out. I mean... You heard what I had to say about Patrick Mahomes. You heard what I had to say about Jalen Hurts. You heard what I had to say about Justin Jefferson. Tyreek Hill uh, did absolutely great this year. We know that. And and I was pretty shocked by the way him and Tua were able to mend the way he was still getting his share of targets next to Jalen Waddle. We were having conversations in the year already of Jalen Waddle or excuse me, of Tyreek Hill potentially breaking that receiving record that we had seen from Calvin Johnson. Um, Obviously, in the previous year, setting those records with receiving was absolutely insane. And so know that Tyreek Hill actually had a chance to chase that at uh, not not in the middle point, but we saw it kind of towards the three quarters, you know, last few games of the season coming down. um, Tyreek Hill was in the running for that. My offensive player of the year is going to go to Justin Jefferson, though. I think he was the best receiver in the league this year. Like the other category, I can't specifically remember. I know a lot of people would probably say Tyreek. I know a lot of people would probably say Mahomes. I know a lot of people would say Jalen Hurts as well. And again, these awards are tough. No doubt about it that they are tough, but I am going to give my Offensive Player of the Year to, jeez, I'm looking at the chat and getting messed up, Justin jefferson hello taylor thank you so much for popping in on the chat saying hey to me uh we got a few people in the live i appreciate everyone again on facebook youtube twitter and twitch we're on the nfl with ajl and my personal facebook as well ladies and gentlemen like i mentioned we are welcoming callers into the show this evening 678-480-8716 who's your mvp who's your defensive rookie of the year am i saying something you don't agree with is there something you want to hear? on the show who these awards are rolling we are rolling here with the show up next we have our defensive player of the year for 2000 and i always want to say 2023 that messes me up because it's the 2022 season but it's getting selected in 2023 and it's like if i google it for the odds sometimes it's pulling up next year anyways You know we're talking about, excuse me, these guys here. (laughs) We have Micah Parsons, we have Nick Bosa, and we have Chris Jones as well. And when you take a look at Nick Bosa, how do you turn down 18 and a half sacks for the entire year, leading the NFL in sacks, leading the NFL in quarterback hits? And he had 13 more quarterback hits than the next closest guy. So clearly, you see the way that he's affecting the game. For the 49ers right now, he was also tied for second in the NFL in tackles for loss. He knocked down four passes and he forced three fumbles, which was tied for fourth in the league. It was crazy. There was like, I swear, over 15 players on that list that had three forced fumbles and then shoot even seven or eight that had four. So the gap was very narrow for these guys. So to know that he was effective enough as a playmaker, actually, to rank there. Clearly, you have to give your hats off to him. Chris Jones did have 15 and a half sacks, and we know what Micah Parsons is, but I'm sure you could tell by the way I leaned into that there. I am going to have Nick Bosa as my defensive player of the year. Again, 18 and a half sacks, led the NFL in sacks, led the NFL in quarterbacks' hits. He was fourth in the league in forced fumbles. He had four knockdown passes, and he was second in tackles for loss. Nick Bosa was all over the field. I don't know how you don't give it to him. Now let's get into. An interesting situation where Brock Purdy has a case. Um, I'm not going to make a case for him. But when you look at being pick number 256, literally being Mr. Irrelevant, the very last pick in the NFL draft, and you actually have your team in the NFC championship with all of that looming around you, that's very remarkable. And let's be real. We don't know if we will ever, ever possibly see something like, uh, like that. Happen again, considering the system. Shanahan's system is all over the league. But knowing how he just stepped in at the right time, his only loss was, unfortunately, in the biggest game of his career in the NFC title game. I have a lot of respect for Brock Purdy, and I love, love, love what he's done. Let me make sure I get the right graphic up here on the screen for y'all. Offensive, excuse me, um, offensive rookie of the year. Yes, I wanted to make sure we had that right. Georg Saints, Michael Darby. I know you're at a restaurant, man. Thank you so much for tapping in. Hey, I told you I was going to say it on the show. If you bless me with your presence, man, you will uh you you can have a couple decisions on on what we'll do on here. I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, though. Got to get the water. You already know. We're not even. Mm, we're 10 minutes in. There we go. 10 minutes in. And I, I think I did good. I think I did good to hold off on the water so far. But we're not here to watch me drink water. This isn't an ASMR gulping show like we like to see on TikTok with the microphones next to our throats getting way too much into detail, but it's, it's it's actually just crazy to me how some people will soak that content up. El Mayo, yes sir, checking in. You already know, Darby. I'll show you here on the screen, man. Thank you so much for checking into the show tonight. Alright, enough of water drinking and Guillaume Saints. Let's get into the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Like I was mentioning, everything about Brock Purdy, love what he's done, Very respe- uh, uh, respect it very, very, very heavily, but I don't think he had the true impact that a Kenneth Walker, that a Garrett Wilson actually did have on the field and actually for their team. And him being in that system and not playing a full season and not having that true impact, unfortunately, didn't help him whatsoever. Now, let's take a look at Garrett Wilson. 83 catches for 1,100, yard, 1,100 yards and four touchdowns. He was catching passes from Zach Wilson and Mike White in the midst of a team that was trying to turn it around. Not the greatest quarterbacks to be throwing to you. Um, Clearly, we saw that Mike White did have more promise and just overall kind of composure and especially buy-in from the locker room. They were wearing shirts with Mike White's face on it more than Zach Wilson did. And then we take a look at Kenneth Walker, 228 carries as a rookie, 1,050 yards, 9 touchdowns as a rookie on the ground that's not easy stuff to do you're talking about the Saquons of the world that are able to deliver double digit touchdowns you're talking about the Nick Chubbs of the world possibly you're talking about the Todd Gurley's of the world when you get into high touchdowns like this of course we saw Jonathan Taylor Derrick Henry do it so when you bring those types of names around and especially with Seattle needing a running back before the whole let Russ Cook thing they were a run first team and that's what kind of people people were kind of knocking on Pete Carroll for 228 carries, 1,050 yards, nine touchdowns. He seemed more explosive, in my opinion. And his effect on the field really felt the most impactful of the three guys that are on here, Purdy, Kenneth Walker, who I'm speaking on, and Garrett Wilson. Um, And, you know, the three guys that made this cut, I definitely feel like Kenneth Walker had the most explosion, without a doubt. It already feels like he's a star running back now. And, I mean, let's just be real. When some of these explosive running backs come into the league early, we saw what it did for Derrick Henry. We saw what it did for Jacob um excuse me Nick Chubb. We saw what it did for Todd Gurley. Kenneth Walker could very well be the rest excuse me the best running back in the NFL next year. That's not a hot take. That's not saying that he's going to burst onto the scene and be way 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 better than everybody else, but it is a good possibility. I know Seattle's going to see this. I know they're going to buy in on it. P. Carroll again, yes, he was letting Russ Cook, Geno Smith got back to his thing, but Kenneth Walker with this presence is going to be great for seattle at this moment so kenneth walker is going to be my offensive rookie of the year want to give a quick shout out to chris olave super hate that he got snubbed also hate that drake london got snubbed as well but when your quarterbacks aren't necessarily the greatest or or even average unfortunately you're not going to get looked at for the accolades just checking back in the chat nobody it's all good let's keep rolling we got the defensive rookie of the year and like i mentioned outside of defensive rookie of the year and actual defensive player of the year uh, everything else was super tough for me. We got a Mod Sauce Gardner. Why am I calling him a Mod Sauce Gardner? His name is Sauce Gardner, and let me give him some respect, like he deserves. After leading the league with 20 pass breakups this NFL season, league high, all corners, not just rookies, everybody, league high, all corners, all safeties, linebackers, whoever can get counted for a pass breakup. Sauce Gardner, as a rookie, had 20 of them and led the league. He had 75 tackles and two interceptions on a Jets team that was absolutely turning the defense around this year. And you look at the Jets, they were now catapulting into the top five in these defensive categories across the board. So you can't deny it. Let's take a look at the Gardner Island that he's already making a name for here in the NFL, referring to the numbers. Nine catches for 70 yards in two games against Tyreek Hill. Six catches for 29 yards and a touchdown against Jamar Chase. Seven catches for 45 yards and a touchdown against Justin Jefferson. Oh, but he gave up touchdowns to Chase and Jefferson. Yeah, it might be the first and second best receiver in the league. Come on now. He also had one catch for three yards against DK as a rookie. 43 first team and seven second team votes for the AP All-Pro. He is now the first rookie cornerback since Ronnie Lott in 1981 to be voted for the AP all pro team and to make it even better only him and Ronnie Lott are the two ever rookies at the position to be voted into the AP all pro team we know how highly acclaimed Ronnie Lott is I already said it when sauce came out of the draft I knew it was going to be a monster I didn't think he could literally be the best player at his position as a rookie I knew someone was going to pick him up on the marketing trend he's already got a sauce company behind him I mean come on with a name like sauce you're you're set campaign wise you're set promotion wise branding wise like Come on now. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, it's it's absolutely got to be Sauce Gardner. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to speak about the other guys here, but I will go ahead and tell you that Sauce Gardner is my defensive rookie of the year. He finished 2022 as the highest graded cornerback in the NFL. Highest graded corner in the NFL. Most pass breakups in the NFL. Only the second player ever to be named to the AP All-Pro first team next to Ronnie Lott. Sauce Gardner is doing historic things right now at a very, very, very young age for a Jets team that seems like they are primed up right now, ready to go. On 642 coverage snaps, Gardner allowed 344 yards. So if you really want to dig into the numbers, Sauce Gardner gave up 1.8 yards per snap. 1.8 yards per snap. Don't know if that really weighs heavy, but when you just put that into perspective that literally his presence on the field was minimizing the competition in the opponent, you have to give it up here. You absolutely... Have to give it up here for Sauce. He takes home the award. I won't take anything away from Aiden Hutchinson, though. Nine and a half sacks, three interceptions, two fumble recoveries, and becoming the first player to do all three of these things in a single season since the Hall of Famer Richard Dent in 1990. And only him and Richard Dent have actually ever done this before. 80.7 overall PFF grade. He led all rookies with 53 pressures on the season. And then Tariq Woolen was actually very solid as well with six picks as a rookie, nine pass breakups, but he did miss tackles at a pretty high clip at a 19% rate. And he did cause eight penalties this season. I appreciate everybody tuning in tonight for the second episode of the NFL with AJL. I am Adam J. Lewis. This is the QR code with every bit of content that we've got to understand if you're watching on a screen. Don't worry. Check the link below. Um, Check the bio in all of my social media pages. It's every bit of content we put out. The podcast is out now on Apple Podcast. Super pumped to be here with you guys tonight. We're about to get rolling on here, and I've got a nice announcement here in just a moment for the show. Six seven eight four eight zero eight seven one six. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. I don't bite hard, really at all. Um, I'm a nice guy, y'all. I just like to talk sports. And even if you come with a crazy take, like we'll talk about it. We'll discuss it. We'll be adults. Um, we'll put the facts out there. We'll put the emotion to the side. We can talk about the emotion, but I want you guys to interact. Got someone over in the chat here. What's going on, everybody? Chris Guerra, good to see you in the house tonight. Wesley Davis, what's going on? Let me drop these graphics real quick so I can give the chat some respect going for the Eagles because of two former Titans on the team. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm having an exclusive Super Bowl episode on Friday. It's going to be really nothing but Super Bowl content and obviously reacting to the NFL awards that are happening on Thursday and of course, we're talking about the awards now. Um, So I don't want to speak too much on the Super Bowl just yet. If you're looking for a Friday show that's going to be super packed with the Super Bowl and content coming out all weekend for it, right there at the NFL with AJL on all platforms. Too bad the Jets have no quarterback. We're going to talk about that at the end of the show because I am very, very impressed with what the Jets have done this year despite their quarterback position. I think they're pretty set up right now. What's up with your boy Tom Brady's new pictures? (laughs) Here we go. Here goes the appearance of Chris G on the NFL with AJL. Shout out to him, guys. If y'all don't know who he is, he was a consistent caller, a consistent uh, shit giver, to say the least, on Petty Sports. Uh, Just overall a great guy, honestly. He was always coming with the comments. Uh, Let's see. What's up with your boy Tom Brady's new pictures, though? Yeah. I mean, Tom's retired, man. Right? Tom's retired. Uh, He's chilling. He's technically single. Like you saw the background, the background in that picture, basically. What was it like? I I don't know the Bahamas, the Maldives, whatever. He was clearly in paradise or what. So looked like paradise to me. He's chilling, man. He's probably trying to get back into the game. Like who knows you? You never really know, but I just think Tom Brady's living life and truly enjoying himself. Also campaigning for Trey Lance to the Titans. Yeah. I saw you said that Trey Lance to the Titans. (sighs) Ah. I mean the trade for Trey Lance clearly you know isn't I think a major issue for other teams because he's cheap and he hasn't been paid yet. Yes, second overall pick. So he's going to carry a hefty rookie contract. I think Kyler Murray made uh which isn't a lot in the span of 4 years, but I think Kyler Murray made like just shy of 9 or 10 million um a year over his 4 years fully guaranteed as the number 1 overall pick with his rookie uh quarterback contract. And I'm not saying it's the same for Trey Lance, but you know, acquiring him would be easy for the receiving team, but I know San Francisco, again, like I just said in the read before I went live that I posted, um, I just don't see San Francisco or rather how does San Francisco move off of him in a way that's justified. He hasn't even thrown 200 NFL passes. Like he hasn't even played a ton of snaps yet or even a sample size of snaps. That was a problem in college. So it's it's a really sticky situation for Trey Lance right now, and, and I really hate to see it, um, but it is what it is. Trey Lance is the biggest bust. Uh, I don't know if he's a bust, man. I don't know if we can really say that yet. Um, ooh, do I like that comment or do I like this one? Let's see. Ooh, I like that. That makes it like actual lower thirds. Heck yeah. Christian on Facebook, Trey Lance is the biggest bust. Uh, again, man, it's you you can't say that yet, you know, and we're, and we're gonna talk about some potential NFL busts here later in the show when we're when we're going through one of the awards. But yeah, I don't know if we can say that Trey Lance is a bust just yet. How can I? Oh, yeah, I can drop these like this. Sorry, I'm still learning a little bit. Uh, 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 Let's see. We just finished up that defensive rookie of the year. Now let's go on to coach of the year. I think this drops us here. Yes, it does. All right. We've got Nick Sirianni. We've got Kyle Shanahan, Brian Dayball, Sean McDermott, and Doug Peterson for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I'm going to have a lot to say in this coach of the year segment, so hear me out. Listen up. Call the show, 678-480-8716. You know what? If you don't want to call, shoot me a text. It's fine. You have my permission to text me in the middle of the show. Comment, DM me. It's okay. Just interact, engage, like, subscribe, comment, QR code. You already know everything. All right. Let's get into the coach of the year. Now, I just want to address the elephant in the room. Why should it be Sean McDermott? Why should Sean McDermott, in my opinion, actually get consideration For this award, I know he's solid and I know he coaches a powerhouse in Buffalo, no doubt about that. But Josh Allen this year didn't even complete 65% of his passes. And I understand there were injuries and things that happened. You know, a lot wasn't great with the team at certain times. But when you look at the other guys he's up against in this award, I just I just really don't think he stacks up to them and especially to the winner um, in this segment here of coach of the year. And like I said, they have to solve the run game. They absolutely have to solve the run game. There's no question about that. And Buffalo disappointed very, very heavily this year. I know Buffalo disappointed. Let's just see. I got a text. Oh, I love you too, Dad. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for texting me. I was like, wait, he might be texting about the show. Dad's a major Saints fan. I'm a major Saints fan. Shout out. 13 years ago today, the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl. Yes, I'm still living 13 years ago in terms of celebrating an NFL championship. But you know what? Pretty ironic that we have a show today as well. So I'm just grateful to be on the cast, everybody. Sean McDermott, though, no. I'm, I'm, again, why should he be considered for this? I'm not going to give Sean McDermott any sort of recognition at this time for the coach of the year. Now, Doug Peterson, which is another very good one. Did we forget that he just won a Super Bowl five years ago, though, in Philadelphia with Nick Foles over Bill Belichick, and he put up the most points ever on a Bill Belichick Super Bowl defense? Do we forget that? Did we forget he had an MVP in Carson Wentz before Nick Foles actually had to come in and save the season? Did we forget that Doug Peterson really had that effect in Philadelphia and then was fired shortly after, and the dude had just won a Super Bowl, what, three seasons? I think he was three seasons removed from the Super Bowl, and they fired him. Now, we know he's capable of this, and yes, Jacksonville did get turned around very, very quickly in terms of what happened last year, but when you look at the fact that Urban Meyer was never the guy, he should have never been there. And, you know, it's calling for Doug Peterson to win it because of what he's done in Jacksonville. But to me, like, here's how I break it down. Some people are like, oh, well, with Coach of the Year, just because they're good at their job doesn't mean that they can't be Coach of the Year. That's true. But I also look at it the fact of, did you do something as a coach or elevate a player as a coach or affect a team as a coach that we didn't? Really see coming before. For me, with Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence was the number one overall pick. Doug Peterson is five years removed from a Super Bowl. So when you put the two of those together, it's a recipe for success, if you ask me. Take it whichever way you want it. It's perspective on coach of the year. Not Doug Peterson for me, though. Uh, and that's not a knock. He has a way, way, way better case than Sean McDermott, but I'm not going to give it to Doug Peterson yet. We'll see what happens on Thursday, though. I think this, again, a lot of these awards are wide open. If it's not Defensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, they could go so many different ways. Now, Kyle Shanahan, again, we know how great he has been for years in the NFL. I just mentioned that his system is all over the league. He's one of the best in the league, and you know he did wonders with Brock, Brock Purdy as the last pick of the draft, getting him to the NFC Championship. But again, we know Kyle Shanahan is great. In his case, maybe he could be even better than Doug Peterson's because of doing it with pick 256. But the past resume of being a great coach, and, and I know this is coming off very odd, but when it gets so tight, again, did you as a coach elevate a player or franchise in a way that we really didn't think was possible? And again, that does call in Shanahan's favor. Pick 256 of the draft, do we really expect? did we really expect Brock Purdy? Rather, if you would have told me at the beginning of this NFL season that the San Francisco 49ers will be a Super Bowl contender with the very last pick of the NFL draft under center, (laughs) I wouldn't have believed you, man. I absolutely wouldn't have believed you at all. It's like if you would have told me that Aaron Rodgers had the season he did and the Super Bowl champs weren't even going to win eight games. The NFL season was crazy. Again, though, Kyle Shanahan does fall under good criteria for this, but he's not going to be my coach of the year. Nick Sirianni, one seed in the NFC. His first year as a head coach, he took the Eagles to the playoffs. Now he's in the Super Bowl. His quarterback is in the MVP and the Offensive Player of the Year conversation. And his team is the most balanced in the NFL. Now, again, here's my caveat for not giving it to Nick Sirianni. Jalen Hurts has always been him. Always been him. My antics were on the last show. Don't worry. I'm not, not another Jalen Hurts rant incoming. Uh, But Jalen Hurts has always been him. I don't need to elaborate anymore on that. So when you have Jalen Hurts, I don't care when he was drafted. Clearly, it was silly. I don't care what did or didn't happen to him in college. Jalen Hurts has always been him. So Nick Sirianni was already dealing with a prodigy. Again, you might not like it. That's okay. Call the show, 678-480-8716. I'm going to check back in the chat here real quick because I see we got some folks. Let's see. I'm just glad the Niners lost. Brian Dable, Doug. Justin, what's good, my man? Good to see you tonight, man. Doug Peterson. ah, uh, Let's go Saints. There we go. We got the supporter in the house. Let's go Saints. Justin's going to leave the show now because I'm talking about the Saints. He told me when I was at the Hill that he would. And then we got him up here with the Saints suck. Yeah, I should have known you were going to eat up my comments, man. I should have known you were going to, but hey, it's okay. Y'all already know that I love my New Orleans Saints. And Chris, since you said it, I'm gonna go ahead and throw it up here, Brian Dayball. Even though you can't spell, brother, unfortunately, got all the respect for you. Well, not that you can't spell, you just couldn't do it right there. Brian Dayball is going to be my coach of the year, and here is why. And this was such a tough, such a tough pick. Like for me, it was down to Dayball, Peterson, and Shanahan. Honestly, it was but Brian Dable bringing something out of Daniel Jones that no one thought was possible. I've been wrote Daniel Jones off. I've been scratching my head since they picked him, just like the Giants fan that was on camera when they picked him so high out of Duke. He played for Duke, I think. I don't know, some some blue school. (laughs) I can't remember. Um, The accuracy and the mobility were at career best with Daniel Jones with over 700 yards on the ground with seven touchdowns on the ground, and 67% completion. I know he only threw 15 passing touchdowns this year. I totally understand that. But along with the most yards ever in a season for Daniel Jones at 3,200 yards, a career low in fumbles, the kid fumbled 19 times in his rookie year. He fumbled six times this year. A winning record for the Giants under Brian Daybull, and finally less than 10 losses for the first time since 2015. To me, that checks the boxes. You elevated a player and Daniel Jones. You were a rookie head coach. First and foremost, you were a rookie head coach coming from a powerhouse in Buffalo. And then with the wins. I mean, he, again, elevating the player, the wins, rookie head coach, it's it's great. It's great. Brian Dable is 100% my coach of the year. Now, before we get into the final awards here for comeback player of the year. Well, actually not even that. Yo, what's up, Anthony? Good to see you, man. I was actually just popping back over here real quick to go ahead and switch these graphics up. All right. Comeback player of the year. And this one, I think by far was the toughest one. I I don't know if there was a better spread for an award than the comeback player of the year this year. So we got Saquon Barkley. And we knew what Saquon was absolutely capable of. He just had his best year, ironically, since his rookie year. You look at his rookie, uh, rookie year, a little over 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. You look at it this year, 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. So Saquon Barkley, best year since his rookie year. And you look at the fact that people were calling him a bust. People were saying that he wasn't worth it. People were saying that he was a one-hit wonder. And for everybody out there that was saying that, you're an absolute fool. Because if you weren't watching Saquon Barkley in his rookie year, Or in Penn State, or even in his second year when he wasn't healthy and he was hobbled, and still ran for a thousand yards and six touchdowns. Excuse me, his rookie year he ran for thirteen hundred yards and eleven touchdowns. Basically, did the same this year, just one less touchdown. His second year when he was hobbled, still ran for over a thousand yards and still had four hundred and sixty just about receiving yards, almost fifteen hundred scrimmage yards when he wasn't healthy. So kind of like with the whole Mahomes high ankle sprain, he's on one leg, he was still doing great things with the injury. So to me, we knew Saquon Barkley was capable of this. He just had to get his body right. I never said that Saquon Barkley was a bust, that he wasn't good, that he wasn't worth it. And again, even in an injured season, he put up eight touchdowns and almost 1,500 scrimmage yards in an injured season. Now let's go on to Christian McCaffrey, which I know everybody wants to pounce on this, but We knew, and realistically, Christian McCaffrey had more sustainable success early on and just more success than Saquon Barkley. You look at CMC, again, we know what he's capable of. I don't have to go through the numbers. One of the first ever and one of the only ones ever to go with 1,000 on the ground and 1,000 through the air when he was playing with the Panthers under Cam Newton. Of course, Uh, Christian McCaffrey, first of all, this was one of my favorite moments of the season when Christian McCaffrey actually got traded to the Niners. I was not back into the show yet. Still sitting on the sidelines, just soaking up all the news. But um, I think he's better than Saquon, like I said. More success early on. He's a receiving mismatch for a lot of people. But comeback player of the year. A true comeback is Geno Smith. It's 100% Geno Smith. Because we did not know Geno Smith was actually capable of this. And don't tell me that. he. and, And please don't sit here and tell me that you knew Geno Smith was able to lead the league in completion percentage, was able to have over 100 passer rating this year, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks, and a career high in yards. Geno Smith in his rookie year had 12 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, a little over 3,000 yards. His second year he had looks like about 2,700 yards, 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. After that, he essentially went on a six-year hiatus in the NFL. (coughs) Excuse me. Got to make sure we're hydrated here. He essentially went on a six-year hiatus in the NFL. People wrote him off. He didn't write back. Again, one of the best lines that was dropped this season along next to Joe Burrows, the window is my whole career. Some some great, 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 great one-liners that were dropped this year, man, truly. But you look at the fact that he was eighth in yards. Again, first in completion percentage at basically 70%, fourth in touchdowns. Only Jimmy G and Patrick Mahomes had a higher pass rating, and those are kind of skewed. I don't try to look in too much on passer rating because it's literally a mathematical equation of, like the situational passing and what you should have completed. Like you can spike the ball into the ground X amount of times and still get a passer rating. than if people actually played the entire game and just had a bad game and that's facts, that's been proven based on how they calculate it. So I don't try to look too much into passer rating, but there was all the pressure on him when it came to replacing Russell Wilson, um, how the Seahawks would be bad, how Pete Carroll wasn't going to be able to do it, but Pete coached him up enough. And Gino was a top 10 quarterback this season, and no one thought he could do that. Again, the league wrote him off, and he didn't write back. Got to give it up to Gino Smith. Absolutely got to give it up to Geno Smith. Let's see what we got in the chat here. Geno balled out this year. Yes, Gino Smith absolutely did ball out this year. And I, I was really happy for him, man. Like, genuinely, I was. I was very, very happy for Gino this year because he played himself into another contract. He extended his NFL career. Um, you know, I mean, he just, he really did so much in just one season. He's got great players with him. He, you know, is in a division where he could still win some games. So it's, it's going to be good. It's truly going to be good for Geno Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode, Ooh, excuse me. Let me drop this chat. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL. If you're looking for any of your worldwide real estate needs, look no further than Buy and Sell with AJL. If you're looking to get into a dream home, if you are looking to get an investment into your portfolio for some retirement plans and passive income on the cash flow, or if you're just wanting to sell the house and cash out on your equity, you need to make sure to hit up Buy and Sell with AJL on all social media platforms, and also If you're actually wanting to stay in the know of real estate, worthy real estate news, not all of these daunting media headlines, go ahead and check the description, put your info into there, and you will stay up to date on actual, true real estate news. Had to give a shout out to the sponsor here. Thank you so much. I mean, second episode, and we've already got the support, so I cannot thank the people enough for actually being out here for me on the comeback. And don't y'all forget. 678-480-8716, call the show, text me, hit me up, that QR code, the link in the description, the like bell, the subscribe, Uh, the like bell, Lord, the like button, the subscribe button, the bell, make it ring, make it happen, let's make it shake, and now, you know I'm going to have to get into some New Orleans Saints talk, just a little bit, nothing major, nothing too major, but we did make some puzzling, kind of really more yes than no puzzling hires. Um, unfortunately, Dennis Allen is still here. Unfortunately, Pete Carmichael is still here. Um, Some of the firings we made were absolutely stupid, but now we have officially hired Joe Woods as our defensive coordinator and Todd Grantham, who actually had a lot of SEC ties and um, had a good stint with Georgia. and was just overall really tied up in the SEC. We hired Todd Grantham as a defensive assistant as well. And both of these hirings are meant to supplement The defense we will have another loss that we'll talk about at the very end of this. But again, we won't be too long here on this news. So Joe Wood spent his last three years with Cleveland and his first two years of the uh, being in the league with the Denver Broncos. So he's had five years in the NFL. He was a 2014 Raiders DB coach, and there were reports that Dennis Allen brought him in because that was the year that DA was still with the Raiders. He knew him from his time with the Raiders. And that was also the year that Dennis Allen went 0-4 and got fired just after four weeks, essentially a month into the season, after going a total of uh, uh, 8-24 and over the previous two seasons. And then, of course, this year with the New Orleans Saints, he's 7-10. and But just speaking to that 2014 timeline, that is where this Joe Woods hire came about. So you look at his uh, numbers over the five years. He was top five in defensive yards per game, given up twice. He was an average of 12th in the league in defensive yards per game over that five-year span, 18 on average in points per game, an average of 14th in rush yards per game, and an average of 11th in pass yards per game. So in my opinion, we just hired a middle-of-the-pack coach after going 5th in yards, 2nd in passing yards, 24th in rushing yards, and ninth in points per game. We're going to go out and hire a guy that doesn't even meet the average of any of those outside of the rushing yards per game. Which, when you look at it, 10 spots up, 14th, yeah, that's great, but it's still middle of the pack. You know, we remember those days with the New Orleans Saints to where 100-yard rushers weren't a thing. We were top five, top three, top two, the best in the league in defensive rush yards per game. I remember those moments for the New Orleans Saints, and I'm hoping Joe Woods can bring that back because we do still have a Dennis Allen. We are still having question marks at the quarterback position. I haven't liked the offseason moves so far. I'm crossing my fingers and praying for the draft now that Sean Payton is out. But at the end of the day, we really won't know how the defense is going to shake out. Uh, It's the only thing about not having a co-host is when you got to get the sip of the water, you just got to deal with the silence. But hey, it is what it is. I'm right back to entertain. No worry to run. Y'all need to trade Camaro. Whoa! Whoa, 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 whoa. That's what I get. I bring up the Saints, and someone raises my damn pressure. Here, here, here's the real thing about Kamara, bro. It's like every running back. They're only going to have about a three to five year of like spotlight on them, consideration for top three, top five in the league. You know, Offense is really clicking through them. Offense is really built around them. Um, Kamara's contract is untradeable, unfortunately. Here, here's the realistic thing about the Saints. Even with moving off of Michael Thomas in time, we restructured our, you know, the contract with him to save him a ton, save us a ton of money. He would have cost us almost 60 million to keep him. We're still going to pay, I want to say 10 million plus just to cut him. Um, you know, Kamara's contract is rough. Um, and then you look at the fact that the only true tradable player, I dug deep on this. Shout out to after further review with the Saints. Super love that radio show on ESPN. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of the contracts are real, real bad chance, and I hate that. I really, really hate that some of the contracts are as bad as they are. And unfortunately, Camaro is one of those contracts to where he's just not going to be able to be traded. It just will not happen, my man, unfortunately. Now, Todd Grantham. And this one kind of makes me excited because he's a very, very aggressive very aggressive defensive coordinator style. Uh, deep, deep SEC ties, like I said, between Georgia, Florida. He's got a ton of NFL experience and primarily with defensive linemen. He worked with the Colts, the Texans, the Browns, the Cowboys, all defensive linemen positions at that time, And le- except when he was with the Browns and he was actually a DC there at one point. Now, we remember the days, or it might have been Joe... Uh, Joe Woods, excuse me, I might have my notes a little wrong here. That was a DC there for Cleveland. Now, again, we remember the days of the Saints' NFL streak of not giving up 100 yard rushers, being top three in those yards. Like I was mentioning, um, just you know, having those defensive guys and Rankins, Malcolm Brown, David Onyemata, Cam Jordan at his peak. The interior defensive line was tough, but then you look this year, we were 24th in the NFL in rush defense. Like I mentioned, the Saints' rotations are just getting older. Unfortunately, the Saints finished fifth. In the NFL and sacks this year, but the leader was Cam Jordan with eight and a half. The second was Kaden Ellis. Yeah, the Kaden Ellis who played with Pete Warner was hurt. Kaden Ellis was in there. Then you had the third on the team was Demario Davis. So your second and third leading sacks on the team were linebackers. Then you go and take a look at David Onyemata had five and a half. Davenport had half a sack. Peyton Turner gave you absolutely nothing. That's a bust right there. Didn't really care for the Payton Turner pick. Didn't understand it. Hasn't done anything on the field. So as far, am I as far as I'm concerned, that's a wash. So you're bringing him in to work with a defensive line that has slipped a good bit in the last few years compared to the actual culture and defensive run game of the New Orleans Saints. Another quick side note about the Saints, they did also lose the offensive line coach, Zach Streif, to the Broncos. Here goes Sean Payton already picking these guys away from the New Orleans Saints. Um, He is now the offensive line coach with the Denver Broncos under Sean Payton. I don't know if y'all remember Zach Streif. He actually was an offensive lineman for the New Orleans Saints at one point in time. One of the best ones we actually had in history and was very, very key in a lot of our runs and just a lot of the success that we had under Sean Payton and Drew Brees. But here goes Sean Payton already. And, uh, you know, I knew Sean Payton was going to be like this. Like I, I, I said it before Fangio actually got hired by the Dolphins. I said, look, Sean Payton's. he said before he got the coaching job, that he was going to want Vic Fangio. And Vic Fangio was reportedly like, it was Fangio was with the Dolphins, and then there was actually no official report yet. Dolphins fans were kind of getting pissed. They didn't understand. He was waiting on the Niners job, possibly, seeing what was up with the Broncos. I thought Sean Payton was going to come out of the woodworks and get him signed within a matter of a week of being with Denver. Clearly not the case, but he is going to come and pick, uh, he is going to come and cherry pick the offensive lineman coach, Zach Streif from the New Orleans Saints. Everybody, I appreciate y'all again for jumping in to the show. We're not going anywhere. We're 44 minutes here in on episode two of the NFL with AJL. Chance says, that's the thing. Y'all need to get something for him. He'll be on the downhill side of his career now. Yeah, but that's also the thing, Chance, is having him on that downhill side of his career, that's just going to take the value away from them. It's like I was saying last episode with Sean Payton. Good point, by the way, though. I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but as much of that is a... Uh, Um, incentive for us to get rid of him. That's going to be a caveat for other NFL teams as well. And it's like I was saying with Sean Payton last year or Sean Payton last episode, that if the saints would have waited on Sean Payton to get out before, or excuse me, if the, if the, if the saints would have waited longer for the Sean Payton deal to happen, they might not have got as much for him. So I kind of get what you mean there. I had to get the gulps in, man. Man, oh man, oh man, alive. Guys, don't you be forgetting. Like, subscribe, hit the bell. When you hit the bell, you never miss a YouTube post, a YouTube short, a YouTube live, a YouTube video, whatever it is. Please like this video. Please subscribe to the channel. Um, Get in the comments as well. You know you got the QR code here. Like I continue to mention, you know you can call the show. 678-480-871 six. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are making history in the Super Bowl in a way that we've never seen before. And yes, we do now officially have for the first time ever two black quarterbacks are starting in the Super Bowl. Like I said last show, happy Black History Month to everybody. I don't think this could be happening at a better time realistically for Jalen Hurts and for Patrick Mahomes being in February, being the first Super Bowl ever. Literally, making history and breaking records before they even take the field. Both of these guys are in the MVP conversation. Both of these guys are in the Offensive Player of the Year conversation. And when you really just look at the fact that both of them in their college days and even in their early NFL days were doubted. Oh, Tua took Jalen's job. Oh, Patrick Mahomes was so reckless. Oh, wow, the Chiefs shouldn't have traded up to take him at 10. You had Chris Carter and Shannon Sharp on tape saying that they didn't like the pick. Jalen Hurts taken in the second round after Carson Wentz gets a ton of money unloaded, a ton of money unloaded. They just backed up the Brinks truck to Carson Wentz. And then they go and draft Jalen Hurts. They go and draft Jalen Hurts. It's a lot of controversy. You see him on the sideline getting pissed off. Like there was a lot happening in that Jalen Hurts drafting time to where it really took a lot away from his career. And Patrick Mahomes, again, draft again, getting drafted early, big red, With the Chiefs, Andy Reid moving up to get him, believing in him, doing what he knew knew excuse me knowing what he saw in him, and you know, and and I don't like I don't mean to like shed a light on shed a light on a sore part of a subject, but it's like knowing that black quarterbacks at one point were not meant to play, um, you know, were considered not smart enough for the game, were considered that they didn't prepare enough for the game, that they just weren't physically able to play the game. We look at the Donovan McNabbs and the Patrick Mahomes and the Jalen Hurts and the Michael Vicks of the world, and we're like, that's absolutely not true. We look at the we look at the Kyler Murray's and the Russell Wilsons of the world now. When we look at a lot of players, and, and of course, to me, it, it doesn't matter. My whole dad side of the family is mixed. I mixed myself. So I, I'm totally behind this. I love to support the fact that we have two black quarterbacks starting in the Super Bowl right now. It's great. Again, it's Black History Month. Like, it couldn't have happened at a better time. And not only is the Super Bowl the biggest NFL game, not only is it the biggest sports game, arguably, obviously the World Cup and soccer just always kills it, but it's one of the biggest events in the world. The Super Bowl is one of the biggest events in the world, recorded over 50 million adults this year, bet over $16 billion with a B, $16 billion were bet on the Super Bowl this year by 50 million-plus adults. So you know those guys are going to be watching. One of the biggest events of the year, the biggest event in the NFL, one of the biggest events in sports, two MVP-caliber guys that are in the conversation. They're in the biggest game. Both of their teams were the one seed. They're both in the Offensive Player of the Year conversation. They both were doubted when they came into the draft. They both were kind of doubted in college. It's great. It's seriously great. It could not have happened at a better time, in my opinion. Hats off to it. Absolutely. Hats off to it. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode two. We're not going anywhere. Episode two of the NFL with AJL. We've knocked out the NFL awards. We haven't gotten to Brian Flores yet. We haven't got to the Rodgers and Cars possible trades yet. We're moving along. We're going through it. Episode two is alive and well. Want to check the chat here. Michael Darby says, Saints made a mistake taking Ruiz over Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I agree with that. Michael, why do you got to do that, bro? Why? (sighs) Didn't even realize that, man. I love the game too much to have not realized that. I love the Saints too much to not have realized that. Saints made a mistake taking Ruiz over Jalen Hurts. I might just end the stream. <laughs> like, I really might just end the stream. No, I'm just kidding. That was a gem, though. Definitely agree, man. Let me leave that one up there. Of course, the Saints made a mistake taking him over Jalen Hurts. Imagine what could have been. Definitely imagine what could have been. Um I mean, Ruiz is one of the worst offensive line picks we've had in a while. Um you know, clearly what Jalen Hurts has done. I mean, I've I've said everything about him in my first two shows. I feel like I don't even have to talk about him for the rest of my podcasting career. That's how much praise I've already given to Jalen Hurts. So yeah, I mean definitely imagine what what could have been for the new one Saints. All right, but let's get on a higher note here. The news broke late last night. I was laying down at about midnight or so, getting ready for the show today. Some final touches coming. I'd already made the lower thirds. I'd already made the live thumbnail lesson learned there. And the news breaks that the Vikings have hired Brian Flores as their next defensive coordinator. And this is huge. This is absolutely huge and is going to have so many implications on a team that has needed a true defensive coach and some defensive presence for a while now. Absolutely great hire. Absolutely great, elite, spectacular hire for a Minnesota Vikings team that just had a pretty awesome season. We know he should have never been fired by Miami. That was a very puzzling move when it happened. He is a huge, huge players coach. People know that. He listens to his players. He's highly acclaimed around the league. He's very respected. And he was actually a finalist for the Cardinals head coaching job. The GM was talking directly with Brian Flores down in Alabama. Brian Flores spent almost a decade under Bill Belichick. He spent a season under Mike Tomlin. He was a head coach for the Dolphins. And again, he should have never, ever been fired at that point. I think the Dolphins, I don't remember, but Brian Flores, I think the Dolphins had four wins. Brian Flores basically came in, doubled the wins to eight. And then the next season, I think won nine or 10 games and got fired. And obviously he was suing the league assistant, you know, uh, excuse me, assistant defensive coach for the Steelers, and then now he is hired by the Minnesota Vikings as defensive coordinator. Oh, man. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Now, when you look at what he's really going to bring to Minnesota, aggressive play calling is really going to be ideal for the Vikings right now. Uh, Brian, excuse me, not Brian Day. Well, Brian Flores is just great at working with safeties in his career. He always has been. He's great at working with linebackers in his career. He always has been. The Vikings defense really had no defense with three or four, uh, excuse me, no defense with four getting home on the pass rush. It felt like there was no aggression. The Vikings need these blitzes that Flores is going to bring. They need these zones. They need, or excuse me, they need the zone blitzes. They need the delayed blitzes. They need the corner blitzes that are actually going to be brought to the table by Brian Flores. Holding Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter will be very, very vital if possible so Brian Flores can come in and actually have that toolage between them and really put them to work in the multiple positions that they know that they can move around on the defensive line in. Now, Brian Flores is also going to bring some intense defensive creativity, I feel like, to the Vikings as well. He's going to mix up the fronts the sets, the coverages, and hopefully keep Minnesota from getting, um, you know, just teed off on overall like it felt like a couple times this year. And and really, like I said, like they did this season. Now, the Vikings ran about 70% zones last year versus Flores in his final years with New England and in his time with Miami uh, was not doing that. Necess- <clears throat> Excuse me, was not necessarily doing that. You had Andrew Booth Jr., Cameron Dantzler, and Caleb Evans are really staying healthy, or excuse me, them staying healthy is really going to be ideal, and that would be major since they have that real press man ability in the secondary, and Flores is going to bring that to Minnesota. He's absolutely going to bring that to Minnesota. So when you look at the fact that you're going to have some man coverage now implemented, again, with a Dantzler, with an Evans, with an Andrew Booth Jr., the ability to play that press man is really going to help out when you're up against some great wide receiver competition in the NFL. Now the Vikings roster I know is going to get turned over some with some of these veteran contracts or then you know these people getting let go. Um, I know he's gonna I know he's gonna be looking to mold Awesomeau, uh, Lewis, Scene, Booth, Evans again, like I've just mentioned, and we've seen Brian Flores really be able to coach up these young guys. He's been able to coach up young guys. Well, again, he's a players coach, very well-respected, highly acclaimed. People listen to him. He listens to his players. He's there for his guys. Being a players coach, I think, is extremely underrated. And when you look at the situation of the Vikings needing to turn that defense around, every player is going to want to be heard. They need to be heard so Flores can make a game plan around them and actually make it impactful, and they'll play with passion for the Vikings. And not that they haven't before. But being able to coach up the young guys – Having the discipline, having the no-nonsense approach is going to be very, very major for Brian Flores. Now, let's take a look at some free agents that I know are tied to Brian Flores, and these are going to be cheap guys, essentially, that are going to have value. Eric Rowe, 30-year-old Swiss Army Knife, who plays for Miami. He actually followed Brian Flores to Miami after winning two Super Bowls in New England with him. He can play just about any secondary position outside of linebacker, which I don't know is really secondary, but obviously you know, front four so, no, it's not, or front seven, excuse me. Um, Nick Needham, 26-year-old slot corner, again, with Miami. The Vikings slot corner has not been great by any means in recent memory, and uh, it's suffered, unfortunately, as as much as we've seen. He played nineteen, uh, 2019, 2020, and 21 under Brian Flores in Miami, 14 pass breakups and six interceptions for um, Brian Flores in Miami at the time, or excuse me. Yes, actually, in that time, 14 pass breakups and six interceptions. So Nick Needham and Eric Rowe would be two prime pickups. And then listen up, Steelers fans. I know y'all didn't pick up your fifth option on Devin Bush. So Brian Flores, having just worked with Devin Bush, could definitely look to bring him in. Again, they didn't take his 50-year option, and he was disappointing thus far being the 10th overall pick out of Michigan, I believe it was. Four sacks and two interceptions in his four years in the NFL. Now, Brian Flores was an assistant head coach, again, like I mentioned with the Pittsburgh Steelers and a linebackers coach as well. So Devin Bush really improved under Brian Flores almost directly in a way as a tackler and coverage, and he really showed some potential, really, really showed some potential under Brian Flores. Now, this would make total sense if he went to the Vikings again to follow him just like Nick Needham and, um, or excuse me, just like Eric Rowe followed Brian Flores, and obviously Nick Needham could follow Flores as well after playing under him. Getting towards the end of the show here, ladies and gentlemen. You know we've got some trades on the horizon that we have to get into. But again, I want to thank the sponsors of Buy and Sell with AJL for sponsoring our second episode here. Again, for your worldwide real estate needs, do not look any further than Buy and Sell with AJL at Buy and Sell with AJL on all social media platforms. If you want a dream house, if you want to get an investment property, if you just want to sell it and take advantage of the cash and the equity that you actually have in your home, don't hesitate to contact them. Again, worldwide. Any place you want to buy in the world with Keller Williams Realty First Atlanta, that's where buy and sell with AJL. Technically, you hang your license a real estate broker. Under them, it's the largest real estate brokerage in the world. They are worldwide. They can find you a house anywhere, an investment anywhere. You can sell with them from anywhere. And if you want an update, an actual true real estate worthy news, worthy news about real estate, not the daunting media headlines. Go ahead and check the link in the description, submit your info through there, and you will stay up to date with all of the real estate news that is actually important and pertinent. And it's not just going to be what the national media is showing you, trying to scare everybody. And uh, just a newsflash, if if this little sponsor preaks your interest, the market's not crashing. It's a great time for buyers. And by and so with AJL, will definitely be able to help you out with that. And really be able to explain that in a lot better of a way and an easier way than it is to understand, as the national media likes to put it towards us. All right. Oh, are we in here? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Aaron Rodgers is now in talks to be traded. He has a no trade clause, of course. We know about the no trade clause. And if he did try to get sent anywhere else, he could say, hey, I'm not going to go play there. It is what it is, like not happening. You can forget about it. So he's really going to have a good, you know, picking and choosing, excuse me, type of battle here uh, to determine the next part of his career. So let's start with the New York Jets. And I wasn't a major fan of when I heard this. Jets, not really well ran. Uh, Just a lot of kids, a lot of, you know, not, not necessarily goofiness, but it's, not the greatest culture right now in the NFL. Harsh media. It's like, mm, would Rodgers want to go for that? Being single, um, you know, just wanting to live the best parts of his life. Is that realistically a place that Aaron Rodgers would want to go? Now, for years, the Jets have been pointing to the futures. Of, excuse me, pointing to the future for a couple years now, and the Jets said that uh, they already said that they will go all out to sign Aaron Rodgers. Now, when Joe Douglas was hired as the general manager in 2019, he set out to get the team in better, calorie, better salary cap shape, and then he started moving assets to acquire that draft capital. And the biggest one of those, clearly, was Jamal Adams when he moved him into Seattle, which brought back two first-round picks. Now, when Robert Saleh arrived, excuse me, when Robert Sala arrived in 2021, it felt as if everyone knew that major changes were going to be happening soon within the New York Jets organization. I mean, you could just see it. You could feel it. We had a lot of talks about just the energy that Robert Sala brought to it. People were saying on TV within just a couple of days of the hire that the Jets were going to win 10 and 12 games. I was never necessarily on that, but Robert Sala, new energy, new coach, Clearly, he's very smart. He did a lot of great things with the 49ers, and that is what earned him this job here. Now, here was kind of the thing, right? They were going to be treading water with a rookie quarterback in 2021. They were teaching young players how to win necessarily in 2022, and then they were going to go for it this year in 2023. So for the first two months of this season, it felt like they had arrived early. They were playing with house money. They had nothing to lose, and they kind of were looking to be a playoff team. Then they lost the final six games of the season and spent January watching the postseason at home instead of playing at it in the NFL. Now, it was very clear this past season also that the quarterback was holding back the New York Jets. The quarterback position was clearly holding back the New York Jets. We saw that multiple times this year. And even when winning games might look better, excuse me, they were being held back by quarterback position even when they were winning games. Mike White looked better than Zach Wilson, but wasn't enough to take them over the hump and actually to get to the top like this culture, like this franchise, like these fans actually want with the New York Jets. The world is absolutely out on Zach Wilson. The locker room is out. The numbers show that we're out on him. The talent's not there. The league is out. They are out on Zach Wilson. They're not looking back to him. They're absolutely not looking back to them. And that's why I have this tangent or this take here about Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. Because they cannot continue to be held back by the quarterback position. Now, of course, you got to worry about Quinn and Wilson extension. You got to bolster that O-line. You got to bring back Quincy Williams and Sheldon Rankins as well. Miss him over in New Orleans, of course. Now, this defense, we know it's playoff caliber. You've got Quentin Williams, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson. Brees Hall, Elijah Moore, Elijah Vera Tucker. These guys are future stars. Some already consider them stars in the league. Clearly, Sauce Garner. Brees Hall's looking great. Garrett Wilson, obviously. Um, you know, just great guys overall in their first year. I wish I would have seen Brees been able to finish out, finish it out. But bringing in Aaron Rodgers, I mean, like, we, we know what he's capable of. And this would be a perfect bridge situation. You know, maybe he comes here for a year, two years, three years. I think he gets you to at least an AFC championship, and it wouldn't be crazy to say a Super Bowl. The defense is there. I know the culture and the coaching is, like, really the biggest but one of the only turnoffs there. The offense clearly has a lot of weapons. You know you would have it to hang with with the offensive line as well. So Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, as much as I didn't like it at first, actually seems like a viable spot for him to arrive in. Now, you take a look at the fact that the offense was 25th overall in yards with just under 320 a game. They were dead middle of the pack in uh, pass yards per game and fourth worst in points per game with just 17. They are out on Zach Wilson. They need a quarterback, and I believe Aaron Rodgers could be that solution for the New York Jets right here. Again, guys, call into the show, 678-480-8716. 678-480-8716. Hit me up on social media. Comment on the video. I see the chat from all platforms on here. Wherever you are at, let me know your take that you've got for the show this evening. Now, he's ruled out the 49ers, unfortunately. We can't do anything about that, but I think we all know that would be great. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, the offensive line, what the defense has so far, Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, George Kittle, like it's, it would be insane. The culture, the coaching, like he would have the full package in San Francisco. Don't really feel like I need to elaborate on that. If you're, if you're in the game um, or or excuse me, well, yeah. If you're in the game of football, if you watch the game of football, if you report on the game of football, you know that Aaron Rodgers to San Francisco, realistically, I feel like, again, could be the best arrival spot for him better than the jets and not in a bad way, but not by like a whole, whole lot. Well, no, let me take that back. I will say it is by a whole lot, but nonetheless, Jets and Niners, great landing spots for Aaron Rodgers. I know he's ruled out the Niners as well. And then you have the Dolphins. Hear me out here on the Dolphins. You got a left tackle in Teron Armstead. You've got awesome weapons in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, who are the fastest guys in the NFL right now. You've got Mike Gesicki as well. You have an amazing city by the beach. You get out of the Green Bay like he's possibly wanting to this year with the trade, and you soak up some of that awesome weather, it's an amazing situation in Miami. Tua's health does concern me. I know for all the Tua fans out there, they're going to go insane on me, but let's be real. I felt like every time there was an actual report or a story about Tua, then it was, oh, Brady's going to come in. Oh, possibly trading for the John Watson. Oh, what would this trade package look like with Tua to get Miami over the hump? Those types of articles are still out there with as much love as people have for Tua. And I'm concerned for his health. The concussions scare me. Again, great bridge situation. Or maybe Tua is still viable. You can rework some money somehow. Let him sit behind Aaron Rodgers, one of the smartest guys in the league. This could really change the trajectory of the next few years for the Miami Dolphins if Aaron Rodgers actually came over. So again, Miami wouldn't be horrible. Left tackle. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. The defense, yes, could be better, but it would be great for Aaron Rodgers. And then some people are talking about the Las Vegas Raiders, which, again, reuniting him with Devontae Adams, giving him uh, not a George Kittle, a Darren Waller, um, but it's, it's bad culture. I don't really like the coaching. I don't like the defense. It's not a great organization. So when you look at the Raiders and the Jets, You don't really like the coaching of the culture in either one. You feel better about the coaching in New York than I know you feel about the coaching in um, Las Vegas. The Jets have a defense. The Raiders don't. The Niners and the Dolphins feel like the best. But if I'm going to say a true realistic landing spot for Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be the Jets or even unfortunately the Raiders. I can just see how people are getting behind it, reuniting him with Devontae Adams, giving him a Darren Waller. But, I think personally the two best spots are Miami and San Francisco. I know he's rolled out San Francisco. I don't really have heard. I think I've heard talks of Miami, but just looking into it, it would show you that. And out of those two, I would like the New York Jets. Now we're down here to the last topic of the show, ladies and gentlemen, Derek Carr trade destinations. Could he go somewhere? Yes. Will he go somewhere? Yes. They've already gave him permission to talk with other teams. Now, one of the interesting ones here, of course, I'll throw the Jets out there. Of course, everything I just mentioned, we know the defense. We know, uh, you know, uh, again, um, because I know this is going to be a separate clip. Elijah Vera Tucker, obviously, Elijah Moore, Brees Hall, uh, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Quentin Williams. uh, The defense is elite. You know, the culture feels like it's turning around. Robert Sala has come in as a coach and just provided a great spark and energy for these guys. So we know that the Jets would be a good landing spot for Derek Carr. I thought the Bucs was an interesting one as well. You have a weak division. The Saints are confused. The Falcons and the Panthers are going to be the Falcons and the Panthers, Panthers, excuse me. We know who they are. Um, You know, the Bucs have won the division two seasons in a row. They've got Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So it feels like it wouldn't be a major drop-off from a Devontae Adams and a Darren Waller. It would be a reduction. But not intensely, because we know the duo of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans as well. And this could show the people that he can win and win some playoff games in divisions. Weak enough, you get in there, maybe win mm, I don't know. let's just say let's just say ten games, you know, maybe get him a little more money in the bank, maybe get him a you know another bridge quarterback job, maybe get him a, a final landing spot to finish out the last you know four to six years of his career. Maybe that could be in Tampa. Maybe we see it. I don't know. <clears throat> We have another one in the Washington commanders and you look at the fact that because they were eight, eight and one, they did leave now with the number 16 overall pick, but they should have a decent amount of salary cap space to upgrade under center this year. And not only to be able to upgrade under center, because of course, when you trade the player, you trade the contract as well. Derek Carr does have a no trade clause. Also, he's getting paid 40 large a year. So it is going to be interesting with how these things can play out as well. But with that, um, you know, disposable income rather in that salary cap space, they could bring in guys for Derek Carr with the Washington Commanders. You got a top 10 defense and you got an offensive weapons like Terry McLaurin, Gary Terry, of course, John Dotson, Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson Jr. And they could also compel Carr to actually restructure his deal in the event of a trade, of course, or offer him a discount in the event of a free agent deal. So there's a multiple couple or excuse me there's a multitude of ways that the commanders could actually attack this for Derek Carr and make it a viable option for him to come over do I think it would be great uh not well not let me I use the word great too much do I think it would be good yes Derek Carr with the commanders would be good because he would have he would have the defense he would have the offensive weapons um but again the culture the coaching is it really much better than Las Vegas we see how often the commanders actually get in the news before they change the names multiple times. People hate the owner. They think you should sell the allegations. You kind of have the same vibe in Las Vegas right now. So talent-wise and on the field, yes, but behind the scenes and for actually a an upgrade, like, of course, to your front office, and, I, of course, I feel like it starts there, head coach, GM, quarterback, coach. Like, you got to have that continuity there. I don't know if once you get to that deep point that it's actually going to be that way. And then the best for last, maybe not in your opinion, maybe it's not the best for last, but I am going to think that the New Orleans Saints have a trade, not a trade, that the New Orleans Saints have a case to actually go get Derek Carr. And reportedly, the Saints either have or they're willing to offer this year's third and fourth rounder for Derek Carr. Now, that wouldn't be horrible. That really wouldn't be horrible again. You trade for the player, you trade for the contract. I know he would have to get a restructure because we're about 60 million roughly over the cap. I think it's 58 million to be specific over the cap right now. But you look that the Saints either have or they're willing to offer a 2023 third and fourth rounder for Derek Carr. You've got an Alvin Kamara who we talked about it earlier in the show, it's kind of on the downhill. Um, But I think you get him back in the right system. I wish it was someone different than Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael. Or you get him back with the right quarterback that can really use him properly. I think you're looking at a different version of Alvin Kamara. Chris Olave, who was snubbed from the Offensive Rookie of the Year, over 1,000 yards with the multiple quarterbacks he played with. You got Rashid Shahid, who the Saints signed as an undrafted rookie free agent and has actually been doing pretty well for the New Orleans Saints. The first two touches of the guy's career were touchdowns. You look at Jawan Johnson, who's actually taken a leap for the New Orleans Saints, and I'm very, very impressed by that. The defense clearly started to come around at the end of the year. Again, you heard it earlier in the show, outside of the run game, the Saints were top 10 in all defensive categories, which I really, really love to see as a fan, because early on in the year, they were bad. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. Um, Marshawn Lattimore was out for two or three months this year, and the first game back, he has a pick six. So it took a minute for that defense to actually come around, but they've shown they can be great. They've shown they can support a nice linebacking core. They've got a Marshawn Lattimore. And again, they just got Todd Grantham in there so he could really, really coach up that defensive line. Because I think with Derek Carr, what you're actually, or what he's going to be looking for, Derek Carr is really going to want that, okay, I need some weapons. I need a culture and a head coaching upgrade, for sure, considering what's happened over the last couple years with Vegas. And I need a defense because that has always kind of been a a drawback of Derek Carr's career is he's never had that defense that can actually take some of that pressure off him and let them get to the bigger game. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to conclude episode two of the NFL with AJL. And I highly appreciate everybody that tuned in. Please don't forget to like subscribe, and comment below if you're live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch. Follow me. Whatever you got to do to engage, hit the bell on YouTube so you don't forget when we go live, when we post a clip, when we post a short. The NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. Check it out in the description. Or you've got the QR code here if you can scan it on your screen. Again, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Buy and Sell with AJL. Check them out for all of your nationwide, worldwide real estate needs. Link in the description as well if you want to stay caught up on all of the latest real estate news that actually matters. It's not the headlines. It's not the daunting media. This has been Episode 2 of the NFL with AJL. We will see y'all in the next one.